Hello, everyone. Welcome to Performing the Arts, episode 10. Yes, that's right, episode 10. I can't believe I've actually gotten to this far. Joining me today is... Hi, everyone. My name is Hennessy's Vega. Um, I am a Brooklyn College student. I am a television, radio, and emerging media major and a film minor. Um, and I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Brian, for having me. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's my pleasure, actually, for you to actually joining me because when I kept on asking people, it was like, oh, do you want to do this? It's like, I would always get like a yes answer and then probably a maybe answer. But the people who have been essentially been joining me for the past, like say several episodes have been very lovely people and have been getting a lot of great, uh, not only conversations with them, but also just like their experiences in general. But Genesis, uh, I'm sorry for pronouncing it wrong too. So, oh, but I, right. <laughs> Okay, good. Uh, how did you get into the background for not only uh, for essentially TV radio? Was it like a did you like how was your background essentially coming? Because I know that Brooklyn College has a great TV radio department, even though I was only on the uh, the radio side mostly as a journalist. Uh, w W. BCR represent <laughs> the, the the nicest radio station ever there. So if you, if you uh, are a uh, Brooklyn College student and you do want to do something that's like internship, just intern at the radio station, it's so fun. But especially the news team. Uh, but yeah, how did you get into essentially the performing arts, especially as a, a TV a TV radio person? So. My dad, actually, I'm Honduran, so I was born in Honduras, uh, and my dad over there, he is a television and radio personality. So oh, really? ever since I was, yeah, ever since I was little, um, I've always had like, you know, a front view of what goes on behind the scenes and everything. Um, so I always loved it. I thought it was very interesting. But it's actually funny because growing up, I didn't want to be in television, radio, nothing related to this. I just didn't want to. And when I was... Uh, getting out of high school, I was going to become like an interior designer. And like, that's just what I wanted to do for some reason. But then I don't know if you ask me, like, I have absolutely no idea how in my application, because I went to community college first, I yeah. wanted to be a communications major. Don't know how I did it. I just, I just know I did. And I ended up, you know, taking classes. Um, and I worked at a radio station at my uh, community college, NASA Community College here in Long Island. I loved it, oh, nice. and uh, just the more I did behind the scenes, and I got to see how storytelling and everything it's about. It was, it was just great. I loved it. I fell in love with it, and I decided that's what I wanted to major in, and and try to do for the rest of my life. So I kind of had a background because of my father, but I kind of wanted to go my own way and decide my own thing. But it ended up just bringing me back to to what I to what I was used to, basically. Yeah, uh, it's odd because uh, when I was going to my community college, uh, my the theater uh, my theater department was actually listed as a communications like uh, I guess one of the subcategories of the communications because it was like speech theater and I think visual media. But I'm not sure, but it was mostly just speech and theater. So it's odd how essentially communications is always that kind of like jumping off point between people who want to go into like TV, radio, film, theater, that sort of thing. Because people have always taken communications class 
and then they get in front of, you know, in front of the class, do like a little speech presentation, feel like, I guess, start feeling themselves like, how, oh, wow, I'm actually doing good as a speech person. Yeah. I have a good voice. So, so it's, it's odd how essentially how much of like communication classes kind of like influences like where they kind of like go off from. Uh, tell me a bit about those uh, uh, of National Community College. I, I, since I live in, you know, since I'm, you know, I live in, live in Brooklyn, I don't have like the, the, the luxury to actually go out to Long Island as much as I could do because, you know, I used to have family who live out in Long Island, but they don't live in Long Island anymore. So I don't have the luxury to go out and whenever I do try to go out to Long Island with my family, it's always a long, long drive. Oh yeah, especially with traffic. <laughs> yeah, going into Long Island, especially coming out, especially going on like Brooklyn, it's like a very long drive. But the the drive back is always for some reason much more fun because it's like, oh, it's a long drive going to think. But the moment you're driving back is like much more fun because it's like, it's like you just see all these people just like going into Long Island, it's like suckers and then we're kind of like just coming out of like, like long island's like freedom even though long, even though long island is a nice place but yeah uh tell me how yeah to, tell me how uh taking like the, uh, the communications at national community college actually helped you yeah so um like i said went to nassau community college and uh, i was in a I don't remember what type of class it was. It was a journalism class, I'm pretty sure. Some girl came in and she started handing out flyers. And it was like, oh, you know, if you want to join the radio station, um, you can just like follow the information on this flyer and go get interviewed and see if you could be in it. And I looked at it and I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. I would like to give it a try. It was super sketchy because the radio station there was like in a basement in like some creepy building and you had to like press a button to get in. It was the creepiest thing ever. <laughs> but I got in, um, I did the interview. They called me back and they're like, yeah, you know, you can, you can come in and start training. We'll put you on the air and stuff. So it was just, if that girl hadn't come into my class giving me that flyer then probably I would have never tried the radio side first of things because I did get to work at the radio station I actually had my own show I had um, a Latin music show oh, um, nice. Thursdays at at night like around seven I don't even remember to be honest um, but I had my own show I did the morning show um, on Fridays with like a radio crew and everything and it was super fun I was there for like two years and uh, I just really liked having a voice, you know, I feel like once you get in front of a microphone and get to like talk to people and it, it was just a great feeling and I just love being able to express myself on the air and have like people that I didn't even know relate to the stuff that I was saying. So I really love the, the radio aspect of things. But one thing that I didn't like was the fact that I had to be on top of like to make it you know engaging and conversational and everything i had to be on the know of everything that was going on with like celebrities and all of this and i just didn't like that because i wanted to talk more about like my experiences and like what i wanted to bring to the table rather than just focusing on like these famous people's lives and stuff like that so i was like you know i started thinking maybe if i transitioned and i tried to do television instead which is a little similar to radio just like more visual and just get myself out there. That's why I decided to switch um, into TV radio once I graduated Nassau and I, I came to Brooklyn College. I looked up the program. It has an amazing program for television, for film, for theater as well. 
So it was, I just, I don't know. It was just, I was just going with the flow, whatever. I felt that that is what I wanted to do is what I started chasing. Now, did you see any other uh, colleges, especially for CUNY, uh, uh, CUNY colleges that had good radio, uh, TV, radio uh, departments? Or did you just solely pick Brooklyn College because it was like, hey, I heard this, uh, this TV radio department was the bomb. And so I was like, you know what? I may as well just go to this one. Exactly what I did. I mean, I did do a little research. I kind of wanted to to stay here in Long Island because, like you said, the commute to Brooklyn and back is yeah. like a lot of, it's crazy. But the the colleges here in Long Island, they didn't have as good of as a program as Brooklyn did or does. Um, and I did look into some of the city schools, but Brooklyn was just closer. And I did my research and I just, I just really, I fell in love with like, the marketing for the Brooklyn College website on the television, radio, and film department is just great because that's what sold me. Honestly, I started looking at pictures and like Instagrams and everything, and and I was just like, I wanna, I wanna be a part of it. Yeah, if anything, uh, the the Brooklyn College uh, website is like one of the most beautiful websites I ever like always visited because even now that I'm alumni, I'm like, it's like I see it's like I go into the website and I look on the thing, I'm like, oh man, I'm already missing campus and. Yeah. And like the last, like this last semester was extra heartbreaking me because of the coronavirus. But just looking at the thing, I'm just like, oh man, I'm like, I'm really missing campus whenever I'm looking at this like website. It's like, and even if I'm using the website for like five seconds to, to check on something for CUNY first, because I still have to check things at CUNY first somehow. I don't know why, but <laughs> it, it, I don't know. For some reason, I'm always checking CUNY first just to, just to see if, the, if there's any like, I gotta see if there's anything on CUNY first. Let me just check. Nope. Okay, good. But then I'd be like checking the website. I'm like, oh, God, all this stuff. I miss selecting classes. That's like, and I'd be like looking at all the classes in the morning. Like, nope, never got to do a morning class. And then sure enough, one of the classes, I'd be like, oh, damn it, I got to do a morning class. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. Uh, how many semesters have you been in at Brooklyn College, especially as a, a TV film uh, major? I've been there for a year, so two semesters. Oh. So I'm very, I'm a fresh, I'm a senior now, which is weird because I had a lot of credits done at my other school that transferred over. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's always the weirdest thing about transferring over credits, especially if you do a community college, is that just essentially you have like 60 credits essentially cut in half out of the essentially the four year thing. So you, you essentially have two years as a community college and then if you go into a four-year college, say like, you know, Brooklyn College, you practically have another two years to go. So it's essentially community college and college by itself is essentially a four-year, exactly. like a, like a four-year uh, degree, essentially. Uh, but going from, uh, uh, but attending Brooklyn College from your first semester to at least now, how was your experience? Well, okay, obviously last semester was a very odd experience for all of us, but yeah. how would you like, but how was your first experience coming into Brooklyn College, especially transferring from your former community college to essentially a, uh, I, which I will say is Brooklyn College is practically in the middle of nowhere sometimes. It's just like, it's literally in the middle of Brooklyn so it's like almost in the middle of nowhere Brooklyn and it's in a very quiet neighborhood because yeah. I've had friends who come from Queens and they're like Brian just getting here is a battle but yeah. I don't know how it's like it's a good because 
coming from Queens, it's probably even a much more of a longer commute because you gotta go all the Q train. Because at least the Q train, that you know, that's at least there, you know. But yeah. but yeah, especially coming from a Long Island uh, community college, how was it essentially integrating the first semester at Brooklyn College? I loved it. I loved Brooklyn College since the moment I stepped my foot on it. Um, the commute, it's crazy. It's two hours because I do take the train. I take the Long Island Railroad. Uh, and then I have to take the Q train and it's, I have to transfer train. It's a whole mess getting to school. That's the only part I hated. But um, other than that, I loved the professors, the classes. And also, fortunately for me, I was able to get an internship at the Magner Career Center. It's the ah. Brooklyn College Magner Career Center. Um, it's for, you know, if you need help with like your resume, with like finding internships and stuff like that, they're super helpful with it. So I was, um, one of their social media people there. So I got to, to meet a lot of people by working with the Magner Center. Yeah. Uh, so I got very lucky with that. Um, and then you get a plus cause you, you're always on top of all these events that they're having for the different schools of Brooklyn College, which is like the School of Business, the School of Television um performing arts and everything so you get to network with people and meet people so i think that um i was very lucky to be able to get a, an internship at the magner center because i was able to to i guess open some doors and i like, get to meet some people yeah. with people and also get to know get to have like a little family my first semester there and meet a lot of people that became friends um so it was easy it was it wasn't as hard to like you know, I didn't want to be that one kid that sits like in class by themselves, like waiting for people to talk to them and stuff like that. Like I was lucky because um, I was able to be at the Magner Center and, and meet students and, and have friends right away. So I really, yeah. really love that because I'm very shy. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah. Believe me, believe me, that's my gimmick of just being the first, the only uh, the lonely kid in the class waiting for people to talk to. It was like, oh, hey, don't. Me as well. <laughs> yeah, I was like that, that. Like I know that gimmick. I mean, I know that not gimmick, but I know that uh, per, uh, that that feeling of just of this. And uh, but yeah, uh, the Magnus Center is a great place, especially if you're. And I will say this about the Magnus Center: uh, if anybody who's watching, please go see Mike. He is a godsend, especially in terms of uh, entertainment stuff. He knows a lot of these places in terms of uh, 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 just in terms of entertainment, especially if you need to have like an internship. He knows where to go, all that stuff. And and if you need like an internship or something like that, like what she just said, he will send out like emails of like when these places are actually going to be coming to Brooklyn campus and all that stuff. Because I remember there were times when I had to, I was like, like I would be in his office, like you know, going over my resume, and then say, "Hey, you know, I have my theater thing." I was like, "Okay, we'll go over my theater thing." But he also will give me a lot of like resources to go over, saying, "Even though this is, even though your background is in theater, here is a great resource for you in terms of just like entertainment." That's what. So, if anybody's watching and you are a Brooklyn College student, go to the Magnus Center, especially, and look out for Mike. Yeah. Uh, you you would know who he is because he's like the the top person there, I think, probably. <laughs> but yeah, uh, first semester there, you're having a great time, and then second semester, we kind of have scare of uh, scale uh, everything back because of uh, Corona. But I assume, though, in right before we even had to leave campus, mid March or so, or early March, I forgot when. But when we had to leave campus in March, 
were you still able to do production at Collins in that little, like that little space of time between starter classes to essentially March? Yeah, so um, this last semester, this Corona semester, was my, my first semester doing film production classes. Because when I first came to Brooklyn College, I was, like I said, a television radio um, major, but I, had, I was minoring in theater originally. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I took a couple, like I took one acting class um, that first semester, but then I decided that I wanted to transition into more of the production aspect of things, like being behind mm. the scenes. And like, so I was like, let me try um, film. So I ended up taking my first classes in the film department this semester that got affected by Corona. And it was fun and everything at the beginning because we were taking classes on campus and everything. But then when they made us, you know, stay home and do everything virtually, it was super hard because yeah. you need a crew, you need a team to be able to create your films and like produce your productions. Um, so yeah, it was very, very challenging because I had to be my own, like everything, director, actor, um, like crew member of like, it was a one person crew for everything that I did for my, for my classes. So it was very challenging, but Honestly, I have to look at it on the positive side of things. Like you get to learn a lot by, by testing out these different departments on your own. <laughs> it was like you had to do it because you couldn't be in contact with other people. So you had to do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I know for a fact that uh, my semester, I, have a, I essentially had uh, one production class was essentially prop making for my uh, theater. Uh, I was finishing up my theater classes and my one production class was essentially prop making and I was only able to make a couple of props in terms of my class. So yeah, it, it was, it's essentially hard. Yeah. It was essentially more rougher trying to do everything around the house with stuff that, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, this week we're going to like try and make a weapon and you know, how am I going to try and make a weapon when I, I couldn't really do that much around the house aside from, you know, getting cardboard stuff. So yeah, it, it the Corona semester really took a, the fun out of a, a lot of things, but in terms of, but to segue or to go away from that, because I, I've, I was like, I, I feel like I've talked a lot about that over the past, like course of the few episodes I've been doing already, but in terms of your childhood, I remember you just, you mentioned that your father was a Honduran t uh, uh, TV host. Uh, and radio host. Now, did his uh, TV and radio host duties uh, kind of like influence you in your childhood, or was there something else that kind of like influenced you in terms of your own, like, uh, like movies, TV shows, that sort of thing, or was it like primarily a, a like, I want to say like a, a, like almost a lot of different things. It was honestly a lot of different things. Um, I mean, I've always loved storytelling. Uh, I remember when I was little, I used to come into my mom's office and I used to like sit on the typewriter and just start like making stories up and like writing. So I've always just liked storytelling and creating things. Like I am a very active member at my church and I used to direct plays and stuff. And I didn't even know what I was doing. I was very young. I was like 11, 12 years old. And I was like directing plays with my friends and like presenting them to like the people. So it was something that I always did without really knowing that that's what I wanted to do. I just thought it was fun and I would do it. But I think that definitely something that did trigger and like that told me that, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life was 
near my house, they were shooting a production for a show on Netflix called Maniac. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so they shot a couple of scenes, literally like two blocks away from my house, uh, near like a little shopping center that's there. Yeah. And I remember my mom told me, they're like, oh, you know, they're filming something. And I was like, let me go check it out, you know, like <laughs> see what's going on. And I know Jonah Hill and Emma Stone were like the main characters, so they were there. And I'm just like looking at them do this one scene over and over and over again. And I see the director and he's like, cut, action, this and that. And I'm just like, this looks so awesome. I was like, I had never thought of like, I've always liked creating things, but for some reason it had never crossed my mind. You could actually create something like a movie or a television show or be a part of something big. And I remember I snuck into set and I started talking to PAs and I was just like, oh, what do you do? And they're like telling me about, you know, what they're doing and stuff. And I'm like, this is so cool. And I remember I talked to one, I don't remember her, I think she was a PA, she was like in charge of like, doing something i don't remember exactly and she was like oh you really want to help she's like come back tomorrow she's like you can help <laughs> keep the traffic away because the cars that were passing by they needed to be specifically from like the 1980s and uh, uh, you know now with like the cars from nowadays it was like we needed to keep the traffic like only for the cars that were meant to be in the production so i was like telling people to like get out of like the scene and stuff like that <laughs> Like, I'm not even getting paid for this or anything. So I basically started PAing without even knowing what PAing was. And then I really liked it. And I remember I stayed on that set for like 13 hours, just like walking around, talking to people. And wow. I even went to the director. I didn't even know who he was. I went up to him and I was like, can I get a picture with you? And like, he's like, sure. And then after, like when I got into film and everything, I was like, wow, that was very bold of me just to go up to the director <laughs> and just like, you know, but it was like, I feel like that experience definitely is what like marked my, my decision that, that that's something that I could do, you know, because I saw how awesome and fun it was. And I was like, I would love to do this. And definitely that moment is when I decided that I was going to try something related to, to film um, or to television, film, creating, just creating things, telling stories on a screen. That's just great. That's amazing because uh, uh, when I was a kid, I had the, it was sort of like the, uh, the same thing where my father's school was always being filmed in, in terms of the, the neighborhood, right? So I would see like episodes of things being filmed or people filming around the area. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was a TV show called Ghost Rider, which was on PBS. And Ghost Rider essentially used my father's school as sort of like the backdrop of, you know, the main character's school, even though when you watch the school, it's totally different. And it's not like, it, it it's like totally different and i'm pretty sure well there were certain episodes especially in the early seasons like they, they actually filmed inside the school but other episodes i'm pretty sure it was like more of a, more of a set that sort of thing but you could tell when there was a set when it was a set and where it was actually shot on location but in the show itself there was an episode i forgot what it was but main character one of the main characters where it was like handing off money or something like that and the money got like flew flies in the air that sort of thing and all the money is like you know flies in the air and i see all these people just like setting up the stunt and all that stuff and i'm just like i'm watching this i'm like wow this is really interesting you know and flash forward to where my neighborhood is and i had the, the the luxury of having 
the Amazing Spider-Man 2 to actually be shot in my neighborhood, but the problem was that the scene that they had was ultimately cut out of the film. So I was like, I was waiting to see how my neighborhood was shot and filmed, and then, and then I'm like, damn. And then it was like, and, and the sad thing is that it was like the uh, Mary Jane Watson uh, scene where it's like, oh, Mary Jane Watson, and people are like, talking me, and they ultimately just cut out the scene. And, you know, even though my neighborhood was actually filmed you know, a few times over the past, mostly, you know, most famously for Adam Sandler and one of his movies, but most recently for the new John Wick movie, uh, when John Wick is actually chasing down some bad guys on, on, on a horse, they literally shot like half that scene underneath the train tracks, like that's in my neighborhood. So I'm like, oh, I know that place, I know that place, I know that place, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, it, it's, excuse me, it's a good thing to, and this part, this portion will not be it will be edited. <laughs> but it's fun because it's fun when there is stuff being filmed in the area. Because I know when I was going to college at BMCC, they always filmed in Tribeca, ninety nine percent of the time, especially for SVU USA shows that sort of thing. Yeah. So I would just see, you know. Uh, Please note, you know, blah, blah, blah. These stuff is being blocked off, blah, blocked off, you know, that's right. So, yeah, it's fun, especially if you have a hand in, like, uh, or at least some notion of wanting to do production stuff to go through that stuff. And I know Brooklyn Collins had the same thing over the past couple of years when there were, like, stuff being filmed there because it was like, please note, you know, blah, blah, blah. We are filming during, you know, in Ingersoll Hall from, like, 12 o'clock to, like, 8 o'clock. So, or, we're filming in Borland Hall from like 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., that sort of thing. So it's like, and, you know, and Brooklyn College was used in the backdrop for Will Smith's, like one of Will Smith's last movies, uh, Gemini Man. So, and that's kind of like a spoiler alert, but if you watch the movie, you know, and, and you need to watch the movie because it is kind of like fun to watch, but I haven't watched it, but I've seen clips of it, but it looks fun to watch, but yeah. But yeah, it's fun how essentially, being behind the scenes production kind of like sparks you a lot more in terms of actually being in that mode. Uh, in, in terms of productions, especially as a budding uh, like a, a TV radio production major or just, you know, just production major in general. Has there been like productions in the past, especially film or TV things that you want, I suppose, that kind of like have been inspirations for you to actually say, hey, you know, I am not sure when, but I kind of want to do a production like that one day. It's like, it's like when you watch a movie or stuff like that and you see how great the production is, how, how essentially, I won't say like how scrambled against it, but you know, were there essentially certain productions that kind of like caught your eye and just say, you know what, that'd be good you know, inspiration for me in terms of how to do my production? So, honestly, I haven't had that moment where it's like, oh my God, I want to do this exactly. I just, I love, I, now I pay a lot more attention to everything on the, on a film when I watch it. Like, I, I'm very, like, looking out for the cinematography and what was used and, like, the composition of every shot. Like, I don't get to enjoy films the way I used to before when I didn't know anything about it because I mm -hmm. now you're like paying attention to every single detail of everything that's happening. Um, but I feel like, uh, let's see, I loved it. 
I remember I loved watching Breaking Bad. Mm. I just thought it was very, um, I love, it's one of my favorite shows. And also like the cinematography, everybody knows, uh, or most people know that it's one of the most amazing. Yeah, it is. With like the, the cinematography used in that show is not used in like your normal typical shows that you can watch. And um, I just really enjoyed, I would like to create, if I ever were to create a show or be a part of the show, I would kind of like to do something similar to that. Thing. you're not just thinking of the storyline but you're also thinking of like the visuals of everything that you're shooting um i know with films that applies to more obviously because in a film everybody's paying attention to like cinematography and everything but when it comes to a, a television show i feel like i would like to do that like with every single scene just just make it as cinematography cinema eh, cinematographic <laughs> as possible also another good show is euphoria it's on hbo mm. uh the cinematography in that show is like mind-blowing so i really i really enjoy very cinematic shots and stuff like that yeah i've actually seen clips of euphoria and like it's like I, i've been watching it's like it, it, it feels like almost surreal to watch because it has that very like what we just talked like we're breaking bad you know, Breaking Bad has essentially the same type of, like, style, which is, like, almost a grounded, like, very granite, I guess, like, type of cinema photography, where it's, like, like, they really emphasize the night, like, and, and when it's daylight, it's, like, it's kind of, like, very bright out, it's, like, it, you know, it's the desert, that sort of thing, but from what I've seen of Euphoria, it's, like, it's, like, like, they really emphasize the night, and it's almost shot in a way where it's sort of, like, half yeah, like you're kind of like half watching a dream. At the same time, you're kind of like half watching a nightmare too. Yep. So it's like, so it has that like almost like cross balance of a watching a dream and nightmare almost at the same time. And with Breaking Bad, it's sort of like watching the the balance of watching someone the uh uh yeah devolving straight into more and more crime. So the so. The cinematography gets more a lot more dirtier. Uh, I know you mentioned Netflix, and I know you mentioned uh, Euphoria, but is there any other shows that kind of like pop your eye in terms of like great cinematography, that sort of thing, or just great production design in general? Especially on Netflix alone, there's a a, a lot of shows I love that, that I watch that have great like design in terms of that. It's like if you if you watch uh, Daredevil, it has a great uh, cinematography. Yeah, it does. And Jessica Jones has great cinematography. Luke Cage, Iron Fist, you know, The Punisher, you know. Uh, I'm mostly just a, a, a comic person, so I tend to watch, like, comic shows, all that hey, stuff. But, I'm a Marvel fan over here, and uh, DC Comics, too. I, I love watching DC shows as well. Yeah, and the Arrow show, uh, the Arrowverse shows actually has great cinematography, too, because it's like, you'd be watching the, you'd be watching the, sh the show, and like, Wow, it's like you would expect some of this stuff to be like you know in a uh, more like actual film, but a lot of these, uh, and the thing about these shows now, especially I think maybe since 2015 or so, a lot of these shows have becoming a lot more cinematic in views. Do you think? And this is a very long-winded uh, answer. I mean, long-winded uh, question. But do you think for the past like say several years, especially since 2015 or so? Have shows become a lot more uh, uh, I just uh, cinematic in terms of like just general storytelling, or is that just something that has just been like slowly and slowly been building? I, honestly, I think that 
now they're putting more emphasis on making it more cinematic. Um, you know, I feel like it's always been, obviously that's something that you always have to focus on, but I feel like now it's becoming more of like, I guess just because of the type of like, you know, the 4k televisions and everything, like now you kind of like see every single detail on everything. So I feel like now people are putting like more, more emphasis in, in making it that way. Cause before, I feel like before it was more about just like storytelling and the plot and like more that than actually the visuals personal opinion i don't know <laughs> yeah i noticed that yeah go ahead no no go ahead sorry okay yeah i noticed since the rise of like 4k televisions that i've i noticed a lot more people especially tvs and i mean tv shows and stuff like that have been gearing more and more towards like 4k uh formats and there are like and now there's actually you know 4k blu-ray players so it's like like they're they're really really gearing up towards like 4k uh like the way of the future essentially maybe excuse me uh like maybe in 10 years or so or maybe in five years they're probably like 4k will probably be the more standard addition to a set instead of saying like 1080p or something like that yeah. uh do you see any because i've actually i've actually filmed with 4k before and 4k is quite versatile because you can actually control the elements in terms of what you want to have everything filmed and all that stuff. But do you see any like downsizes in terms of 4K? I don't know. Honestly, everything is changing so quick. Um, I guess it just depends on the viewer, to be honest. There's some people that don't really care, others that do. So for me personally, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any. <laughs> yeah uh it's sort of like growing up in the uh the 1990s and seeing how the you know, like the dvd the dvd was being phased out and then they become like other you know, like ultra high def uh, dvd like hd dvd and then they became the blu-ray dvd and then it was like like all these things were essentially changing over the course of like say a, a span of several years so it's like yeah, I just feel like you have to like adapt to whatever's coming next. Like for example, I actually took a class this past semester, virtual reality. It was the first virtual reality class ever being thought, taught uh, at Brooklyn College. And uh, in a couple years, maybe 10, 20 years, we're gonna start seeing a lot of like films and a lot of stuff being shown on VR. So yeah. that's crazy to think about because right now you're just like, I'm not like, it sounds weird to think about, but eventually that, that's going to be like the new thing. If you like apply for film, for film festivals and stuff, there is a whole section just for like VR films and VR stuff. So I feel like eventually things just change, you know, like technology and everything as time goes by, it's just going to keep getting different. And we just have to, especially as creators, as filmmakers, um, we have to just start to adapt to, to what's coming. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, could you tell me a bit more about the VR class? Because I know I actually wanted to take that class, but I couldn't really take it because if, if I took another class, I probably wouldn't get financially, but that's a different story. But in terms of the VR, uh, virtual reality class, like, what did they uh, teach, especially in the first half of the semester where we were on campus in school? Because I imagine on the first uh, first portion of the semester, they kind of like maybe gave you like tech demos, that sort of thing. Yeah, so it, it was kind of sad because we didn't actually get to 
fully engaged into this class because of corona yeah. but <laughs> beginning of the semester at the beginning of the semester it was very you know professor moore he gave us like an introduction to all the different types of vr and we actually some of us got to take home um it wasn't an exactly a vr set i forgot the name of it but it was like a device where you like put your phone inside of it and you put it like on your head and then you like the 360 video basically you could see it on oh your okay kind of that's not really vr but it was um part of what we did at the beginning of class and we also got to shoot our own little like short story on a 360 camera which that was very awesome um the editing part of that was extremely hard because it's 360 and you have to keep spinning the video to like edit it correctly and everything but it was very interesting i'm just very bummed out that you know corona happened and we didn't really get to to do what we wanted to do i mean the rest of the semester we got to take our class in a virtual space um we use we didn't take like classes on zoom or like google meets or anything we actually went into like a virtual space huh. and had classes there which was great i mean i don't own a vr set so for me it wasn't as exciting as the students that do own a device um but it was cool like we did presentations in like a virtual world and uh, it was it was just very very cool and you don't realize that a lot of people are actually like meeting in like virtual spaces and like having conversations in virtual spaces and uh, it, it's happening already it's just not a lot of people know about it it's like it's super <laughs> mind-blowing because it's so cool now what do you mean personal i mean uh virtual spaces you mean like you know virtual chat rooms stuff like that or is it just like uh something like this where it's like it's sort of like zoom but it's not really like no, zoom it's, base it's not like zoom at all it's actually what we used um is called hubs so when you if you ever play like club penguin for example like back in the day it was something similar like that and like you create your little avatar and you go into this world but you get to talk to your to your classmates so for example if you were in it i don't have to type to like tell you something i could just talk to you the same way i'm doing it right now and in the That's virtual amazing. Space, if you were to walk away from me you would hear my voice like fading because you're further away from me and it was it was just really really cool that is amazing yeah. <laughs> i'm kind of stunned is like the okay uh it actually brings back to another question i want to ask uh since you kind of made the notion of being a film minor this semester, like, could you uh, talk about how well you were in terms of production stuff? Like, could you, and I know you wanted to talk about like the, the differences between Brooklyn College, like, I mean, not differences, but I know what, um, it's like, this is what happens when my brain just starts like, this sort of thing. Uh, could you explain or at least talk about the different the differences between working with a TV production stuff as opposed to a film production stuff? There we go. Good Lord, Brian. <laughs> I feel honestly, I don't have that much experience that I can say um, tell exactly what the difference is. I think it's very similar. Uh, from what I've seen when we did, when we, when I snuck into that set, that was for a, I'm not going to say television show, but it was for a series. It wasn't a movie. It was like different episodes and it was shot pretty much the same way you would shoot a film. Um, and also I get, I got to work in a student film production uh, for a UCLA student right the week before 
we got into lockdown. Um, that was like my last production, literally the week before we got into lockdown. Um, and it was very, it was very similar. You know, there, you need a DP, you need a director, script supervisor, uh, PAs, gaffers, everything for both. I feel like there's not much of a difference, except that for film, you're just shooting for something that's going to last about two hours. And um, when you go for televisions, obviously you're shooting an episode that's about 45 minutes long, but it, it's, I don't, I don't really see a difference personally. Um, so far I've only, the productions that I've been to are only using one camera. So I'm guessing that when you have like multiple cameras, it's obviously a little bit different, but I feel like both film and television use the same type of equipment. So I don't think that's much of a difference except of the script. I, now, I would say, but I'm a newbie on this, so I don't know, I might be wrong. <laughs> now, uh, how much of New York City filmmaking have been, has been, how much of New York City filmmaking has been an experience for you? Because I'm not sure how Honduras does production down there because each, it's like, uh, uh, I'm not sure how they do it down there because like each production is like different because of the way that, you know, you know, each state or each country, they do productions, you know, differently down there. You know, if you were filming in Canada, they have a whole list of like, you know, registrations, all that stuff. Uh, how was it, to, because I know you said you uh, did like, plays and stuff when you were a kid like how was it in terms of like essentially what I'm trying to get to is uh how was essentially the New York style of filmmaking compared to how you originally envisioned filmmaking there we go or something like production wise when you were growing up especially you know getting all these influences and you know sneaking up on sticking onto sets that sort of thing so when I was little, the only experience that I had with um, this world was my dad's studios. Um, you know, the television studios there are very similar to the television studios here when you're, when you talk about um, something that needs to be filmed in a studio, like, you know, the cameras and like the, um, what's it called? The project, not projectors, the, oh my gosh, I can't think. My brain thinks in Spanish and then I can't translate it. Uh, but when it comes to a studio, it's very similar to the studios here. But when it comes to filmmaking, when I was a kid, honestly, I had never even thought about how you create a movie. Like that was just something that I, I, didn't, I didn't think about. I loved going to movie theaters and watching movies, but it never crossed my mind on how they were done because over there, they don't really film movies and stuff like that. Um, I think there has been a couple productions, um, but it's nothing that you will see on like a big screen or anything like that. Um, most of the movies that we see over there are the same ones that they that they play here, except with like, you know, uh, voiceovers or dubbed yeah. language. Um, so when I was little, it never crossed my mind to even think about how a film is created. That was until I got here. And when I snuck into that first production at near my house, that's when I was just like, wow, like that's something that I had never considered because when I was a kid, that was just not an option because you don't see uh, productions for shows or movies over there. So when I came here and I saw that production here, I was just like, that's something that I could do that I had never considered. And that's when I kind of like sparked my interest in wanting to, to see what it was about and kind of pursue it. Um, but yeah, because Honduras is a very small um, country, you know, Central America. I feel like Mexico is the one who has like more, that has like more studios and like telenovelas. Yeah. And more type of productions that are similar to the ones here, but I haven't had experience in Mexico. So yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and that's another thing. It's like I know telenovelas and soap operas essentially film probably every single day in terms of just to release a, a like a month in advance or maybe months in advance just to release an episode like every single day. So the whole season is essentially almost a year's worth of episodes. So yeah. yeah. And like compare that to say Netflix who only will probably release maybe 13 episodes per season or so, or maybe 10 or, you know, 10 to 13 episodes per season, or if it's one of those uh, odd things where it's like, oh, they've released it by parts, where it's like, oh, part one is coming in October, you know, and yeah. then part two is coming in March, and that's essentially the first season. I'm like, why don't you just say it's like season one, season two, season yeah. three, all that stuff, because that's one of the reasons why I can't really watch, uh, even though I like watching the first and second season, like I, I watch, uh, even though I like the first and second season, I can't really get with Chilling Adventures of Sabrina because it's always being released in parts. So I kind of forget which season I'm on. Yeah. Because like the first season is, is, is essentially the part one and part two, and second season is, is essentially three and four. But when you look at it, it's sort of like, I, it, you know, couldn't you just say it's part one is like its own whole season, like part one, season one, part two, season two, so forth and so on. But when shows are released in parts, it's a little hazy, but at least with the Netflix format, it's kind of like very varied. You know, it's like they have everything on a more tighter schedule. When it's, a like when it's on network, chances are you're going to at least 22 episodes, between 22 and maybe 24, depending on the season. Because they used to do a lot. Of course, with sitcoms back in the 90s, they used to go to at least 26 episodes a season. Because they they were like, you know, we got like like twenty six episodes a season. We could do whatever. And then over the years, they kind of like stopped it to like maybe twenty two to twenty four. That's what. Uh, do you see, and especially since you know Corona happened, do you see much more of a tighter restrictions on essentially, uh, essentially, a much more tighter restrictions on uh, TV shows in general because. Not only are, you know, there's new guidelines happening with that stuff, but in terms of, like, filming episodes, that sort of thing, do you see, like, essentially television networks kind of, like, starting to do, like, the Netflix format of just having, like, almost, like, maybe 13 episodes a season or maybe even 15 episodes a season? Mm -hmm. Honestly, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to, to tell. I think, because I am on a couple of, of groups on Facebook of, like, people who work in crews and stuff like that. And right now that everything's starting to open up, they have shared their experiences about what it is to go back into a set. And honestly, there are guidelines that they're supposed to follow, but apparently everybody's breaking them. Yeah. <laughs> like getting used to it. And um, I don't know, honestly, it might, I don't, from what I've been reading, I don't think it's gonna have that much of a big change, to be honest. Um, hmm. Because from what I've been seeing from other people's experiences, everything seems like it's kind of going back to normal, even though they are putting these guidelines that technically almost nobody's using. Um, yeah. Yeah, but those are like with small productions, maybe for bigger productions for like television shows or Netflix shows or even movies, it might be a little bit different. But yeah. it's very hard because in this industry, you do need to work with people. There's like no way you can like stay six feet apart from every single person in a crew. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how everything goes back to normal um but it's very hard to tell right now i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to tell 
uh, I guess uh, going back to Corona, I guess, uh, uh, how has your experience actually, because I mentioned, because you mentioned that you were filming in your house as essentially the one person uh, filmmaker, mm. well, one woman filmmaker, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, how was it actually filming essentially everything by yourself within the, the within the, the parameters of essentially your own house? Which I've, I filmed in my own house and it is nice to film, but you would like, you know, if your parameters is only kept to like say one location, you know, you kind of want to like go out and film more stuff, but you still don't want to like go out and get risk of catching something, you know, that sort of thing. Even with coronavirus, you still don't want to catch something like the flu or something like that. You know, you're still trying to take care of yourself. Uh, but yeah, in terms of shooting around your own house, being a sense of the, you know, one person filmmaker, how was that experience? It was challenging. It was super, Super, super challenging uh, because I thought it was going to be easy because obviously I'm the one making my own script so I would obviously use I would write my script according to what I had in my surroundings like in my house basically but it was just really hard um, setting up the camera and like doing a specific shot that I wanted to do that was just very hard because it you can't I can't really I'm a one person and I had no help so it was yeah just using a tripod and just setting it up and just redoing the same scene like a thousand times till I liked how it looked and then just putting everything together in post but it was challenging I mean it was definitely a good experience because I did get to to get out of my comfort zone and have to think outside of the box to be able to achieve what I wanted to um but it was still hard <laughs> it was very very challenging that's yeah. that's definitely uh, I I forgot what episode I was talking about. It was it maybe the previous episode, but knowing me, I'll probably like, oh yeah, it's probably the previous episode. But most recently, I was having a discussion with another guest, and I, I think it was my previous guest. But him and I were talking about essentially how people were using the drones to essentially capture like New York in the in the midst of lockdown. Yeah. You see people essentially, even though New York had a sort like. Uh, by the time we're recording this, we're kind of like in the process of phase two, you know, that sort of thing. We haven't reached phase three yet. And there are cases like, and, and both Cuomo and de Blasio are kind of like more adamant of having people coming in, who are coming into essentially New York City become like, hey, I have a 14 day quarantine, that sort of thing. Uh, do you see people essentially still using like drones, that sort of thing to capture essentially how barren the streets are almost because and how people are essentially yeah the, the question is like do you see essentially drone filmmakers becoming a lot more popular in, in, oh, the, in definitely. The... yeah you gotta work with what you got you know and drones i feel like drone shots are amazing like especially if you if you know how to i would love to have a drone I didn't, i'm just broke and i can't buy <laughs> one but i hear you but definitely, um, especially if you're a student and you want to create films, get your hands on a drone and you'll definitely have a whole variety of different shots that you can that you can take with that. And I've seen footage of people that have gone into the city and just filmed and it's amazing what, what things can do now. Like you can film a whole thing in like a little Canon camera, you know, and as long as you know what you're doing and have the right lenses and the right f-stop and iso and everything that you need to put for the lens yeah so it'll, it'll be good uh 
I only have two questions left and they're kind of like very straightforward questions for the most part. Uh, first question, even though we're kind of like already getting back in the, in the swing of things production wise, maybe in the next like month or two, what can we expect from you, like say in the coming months, hmm. uh, production wise? That's a great question. I don't know. I want to get myself into a set again, definitely. Um, I'm going to be on the lookout for different productions and see how I can get myself into one of them, just you know, to network and learn from other people who have been doing this for longer than I have. Um, the last production that I was on, I was very lucky to be able to do script supervising. And that was something that I had never done before. And I would love to continue to try different things and see and find exactly what it is that I love about about this because I mean I do like I do like um directing and I do like editing so I want to see I just want to find what's exactly that I want to do and try different things to, to find my my passion like my specific passion because I do love everything about the industry yeah I like directing but I can't I'm kind of like on a love-hate relationship with editing because the moment I hear editing a chill just runs down my <laughs> spine because because I'm stuck I will say this, I am starting to become a little better with my editing. So it's like, it, it's not as horrible as it was previously, but it's on its way up, I, I will say that. Yeah, uh, it's perfect. I mean, I like editing. Um, it's super, it's, it's hard. I mean, especially with, depending on the software that you use, if you want to start off, people use iMovie. That's what I started with. And then you move up to, I think Premiere right now is what, like, Twenty dollars a month, I think. Yeah. Um, and if you're a student, you kind of like get it like a discount dish. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. As long as you're a student, you pretty much have it like at a discount rate. And then by the time you're done as a student, you kind of go into like a twenty, like twenty five dollars a month, depending on, depending on which package you have. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and for my last question. Do you have any advice to those who are, to the audience right now, who are listening or watching? I would just say not to give up, you know. Um, there's an advice that someone gave me a long time ago, that it was just have patience and be persistent. And that's it. Like, if you want something, you know, just, just go after it. Like, I know it's very hard, especially when you're starting off. You're like, oh, nobody's going to, like, want to work with me or this and that. Don't give up. <laughs> that's my advice. Just chase after your dreams don't give up because if you do so you will regret it just don't don't give up and with that that has been episode 10 uh Hanesis, thank you again for being such a great interviewee for me this week uh before we all go and the episode ends do you want any social media you want to plug sure <laughs> why not <laughs> uh you can follow me on instagram at Hennessy's dot vega that's h-e-n-e-s-i-s -E dot v-e-g-a um and my twitter is the same except without the dot it's hennesis vega and that's it that's all i use i you can follow me on youtube as well but i'm not posting there as often as i used to i'm trying to get back on it but same thing just, just look me up by my name hennesis vega on all handles and you'll be able to find me and with that take care everyone i hope you have a lovely day and just stay safe and have fun. Enjoy the movies or productions or something. I don't know. I'm still I'm wondering what the hell to end the shows with. But yeah, take care, everyone. <laughs>
Oh, no, 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 not, oh, hang on. I got to stop recording. There we go.